And with, uh, between Mother's Day, baby dedications, big announcement, we have a shorter than normal sermon. And all God's people said, amen. Yeah. My title today is An Excellent Mom. An Excellent Mom. I recognize this morning that not everybody here is a mom. We have many moms here, and we're honoring you today. But we also have, uh, we have women that uh, this day is a hard day. Perhaps you're here and you have lost a child, and that child is not calling to say, I love you. We extend grace to you uh, today. We have likely here women who are married and who would like to have children, but to this point, God has not uh, given children to you. And our hearts and our grace goes to you in this. We also likely have women here today who would love to be married and to have children, uh, but that has not happened yet. And so for you today, maybe is a hard, a hard day, a little hard reminder. And I want to tell you that I know what that's like. It's the same feeling I get on Father's Day. I'm single. I'm 44. I've wanted to have children as long as I can remember. And I know on Father's Day there's a little achy reminder in my heart that I have an unfulfilled desire in my life. And so if that is you today, God's grace, God's grace truly uh, to you. But there's one thing that all of us have in common here, and that is that all of us have a mom. Anybody here not born of a woman? (laughs) I'm thinking it's most everybody here has a mom. And so you may not be a mom, but you have a mom. And when we look into the scripture, we find that God's word values and treasures both the, the, the privilege of being a mother and the privilege of having a mother. And so we can share in that as we look at a theology of motherhood together today. The way that we're going to do it is we're going to look at a famous passage of Scripture that talks about the excellent wife, and then as a part of that, talks about her role as a mom. So we have the excellent wife, and we have the excellent mom. And my desire today is that it would challenge uh, every mom here to be an excellent mom, and that it would encourage all of us that have moms to honor them for all the right reasons. So here we are in Proverbs 31. Uh, It is a long section of Scripture. It's oftentimes called the virtuous wife or the excellent wife. And uh, what is oftentimes forgotten, though, is is who wrote it. In fact, if you look at verse 1, it says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So... Is this the perspective of a man or is this the perspective of a woman? It is the perspective of a woman. You could easily look at this and go, oh, it's some guy writing about the kind of wife that he wishes he had or something like that. No, this is a woman and a mother describing from her, from a woman's perspective, what is feminine potential and what is feminine beauty if it really is maximized as best it can be. In fact, that's something else that I want to say before I read this, I'm about to read this, is I don't 
I don't want to discourage any of the women here, and this can be a discouraging passage because the, the woman that is described here is so utterly fantastic. And when I get to the end of this, uh, you could easily think to yourself, well, I don't compare to that at all. How on earth would, could I ever live up to that kind of a standard? Here's what I want you to realize. This is not a real woman. This is not an actual person, I should say. This is a portrait of what motherhood and, and being a wife and being a woman can be if it is maximized to all of its feminine potential. So bear that in mind as I read it. So let me read now our passage, Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands to the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the days to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. May God bless to us today the reading of his holy word. Any, uh, any women discouraged right now? To read that and go, whoa. This is like super mom. This is super woman. I can't compare... To that. Well, as I said, this is not describing an actual person. It is here to inspire women and to inspire wives and moms to be all that you can be as a female, to be all that God intended you to be when he wonderfully made you into his image. This is a picture of feminine beauty and all of its potential. Now, who lives up to it, though? And the answer is... Thank you. Nobody does. No woman does. And here now we're on a really good point, I think. No woman perfectly lives this out. And why, class, is that the case? Because every woman, including your beloved mother, is a sinner. Ever since the fall, when Eve sinned, 
Every woman after her is a sinner, is not fulfilling completely God's will and purpose, is falling short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. There is none righteous, no, not one. And that includes your mother. She is not righteous. She can't be. She is a sinner. Now, why is this an important point? Here's why. It is so easy for us, I think especially as adult children, to place upon our mothers a kind of near-perfect expectation. And whenever they don't quite exactly rise to that level to, we're really good at seeing specks in our mother's eyes, are we not? And to think to ourselves, oh... I thought she would be this, or I thought she would be that, and she's not. And to get all huffy is the word that comes to my mind. That's not the right word. But to allow that somehow to impair a good relationship with our mother. So that right now, I guarantee in this room, we've got some sons and daughters who your relationship with your mother is strained, and it's not what it could be, and there's something that she did, she said, something where she didn't rise to the level of what you think your mama ought to be or to do. And there is not a good relationship there. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to live out our theology. And our theology is that that woman is a sinner. And when she sins, she is simply doing what by her nature she is. Just like when you sin, you are doing what by your nature you are too. And what do you expect from God and frankly other people when you fail? We expect what? Grace, right? Oh God, I'm sorry I did that. I am a sinner. I claim the blood of Christ. Please forgive me my sins. I receive the grace that I have from you. I go on now and I feel like our relationship is restored. Or when you fail your mom, you don't call her, you don't do something like that. What do you expect from her? She is your mother after all. Oh, I know you love me. Give me grace, mom. But then she does something that you don't like. Do you have grace for her? You expect the grace from God and you expect the grace from your mother. Do you have grace for her? And I just got thinking to myself, here we have all these people, three services here. There has got to be at least one relationship that this point might help. Can you give grace to her? In fact, here's what I would suggest. Call her today and say, Mom, you're a sinner. And so am I. And I have allowed this XYZ to impair a relationship with you. And I, I, I still disagree with you. I still think you blew it. I still think that whatever you want to say. But I am not going to allow this to keep us from having a good relationship. And I'm going to give you grace. And I guarantee by the time you're done with that conversation, one or both of you will be crying and there will be reconciliation and it'll be the best Mother's Day that you've had in a long time. Do it. Do it. Amen?
Grace to moms in their failures. Living out our theology, they're sinners too. All right. Proverbs 31 is a portrait. And what I want to do is I want to pull out four words that we have here that describe the excellent mom. Here's the first one. The excellent mom is a servant. The excellent mom is a servant. Look at uh, verse 13. It says that she works with willing hands. Look at verse 14. She brings food. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night. Verse 21, she clothes her family. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household. And this whole portrait is of a very industrious and a very practical woman who is actively serving her family. She is doing what she can to meet the needs of her family. And excellent moms do this kind of service every day, don't they? In fact, do we not often take that for granted? That kind of expectation. She's my mom. This is what she does. She is here to serve us. Don't do that. This is not something to be taken for granted. This is something to be celebrated and something to be honored and to be valued. The servant-heartedness of the excellent mom. I think about even in my own life growing up, So many examples. My mom was a servant, truly was a servant. She was an excellent mom in her servanthood. And so many examples I could tell you, a couple that come to my mind. When I grew up, I I had bad ear problems. I all the time had earaches. I ended up having tubes in my ears twice. Uh, And then later, I had both eardrums basically replaced because they had been, it's a long story, Uh, And I hear fine now, but growing up, I mean, I was at the doctor all the time. I'm having hearing tests all the time. I've got eardrops all the time. I've got to put my head on this little heating pad and all these different things that we went through because of my ears. My mom used to say my ears were gold-plated, and truly, I think they were. But because of that, I was not, there were long seasons where I wasn't allowed to have any water in my ear. So when I would bathe... I would, I would take a bath or a shower and I had to be very careful not to let any water get up on my head. And so to wash my hair, what I had to do is I would crawl up on the counter in the kitchen on the sink and I would lay my head back in the sink and my mom would take out the little sprayer and she would wash my hair very carefully to keep the water out of my, out of my, out of my ears. Long seasons of my life, every day, laying there. My mom spraying off right here. Did she have better things she could have been doing than spraying my head with a sprayer? Now, if you were to ask her today, she would go, oh, I love doing it. <laughs> but honestly, there were other things that she probably could have been doing in that moment. Why did, she, why did she do that day in and day out? Because she was an excellent mom, because she loved me. I remember when I was 16 years old, um, it was a happy day in my life because I got contact lenses. And uh, I, for, I played basketball, so for several years, I wore the old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar rec specs. <laughs> and when I got my contact lenses, I was like free and I was cool again. And uh, so excited about that. Well, we're, we're getting the contact lenses, and the, the eye doctor says to us, uh, because these were hard, con- hard contacts, Okay, they were hard, not soft. You have to be really careful not to sleep 
with the contact lenses in. Because if you sleep with them in, uh, they can dry out, they can adhere to your eye, it can cause all kinds of eye damage. There's stories of them not being able to get that, rip that contact lens off the eye. So make sure that you don't sleep with the contact lens in. Okay. So do you want to know how many nights in my life I would be laying in bed, either asleep or trying to go to sleep, and I would hear the doorknob click. Steve, did you take your contact lenses out? <laughs> yes, Mom. Okay, good night. <laughs> click. Why did she do this all the time? Because she was an excellent mom and she cared for her children. And her heart and her desires were for her children. She was a servant. She was a servant. And I think this is a very important point for us to say very, very loudly on this weekend. uh, That serving and a mother serving her family is an exalted and a glorious role to have. Now, is that true in our culture out there in, in the world? Is, is serving your children and being a homemaker and a mother, is that something that is really highly regarded? The answer is no. In fact, I read recently one example of this. One politician said about another politician's wife who'd been a homemaker all her life, she said she hasn't worked a day in her life. Was that a wise thing to say? No, I don't think so. But what did she mean by that? Because what's behind that statement is very much in our culture. What are the only things that are valued or treasured? What are the only roles or jobs that are valued or treasured? The ones that bring in what? Money. Money. So that a mom who serves her family, ah, that's not, why? Because there's no materialistic gain from it. So that in our culture, if you, go to, if you go to Panera sometime, sit around, it's kind of a chick hang out there at Panera, and listen to the women talk around the table. If they get together and they meet and they start introducing themselves, so tell us, who are you? What do you do? And the first woman, I, I'm a woman and I've got this certain career. I've graduated from such and such university, la, la, la. Next uh, woman, I, uh, I got into this when I was uh, younger, my family business or whatever, but that's what I do, and I'm really passionate about this career, and I got a few kids. And then you get to the woman who says, I am a mom and a homemaker. How does she say that in the culture? I think she says it like this. I'm a homemaker. Why? Why? Why is that not viewed as a worthy investment of a woman's life and time? Because the idols of our world have permeated even into the family, and if it doesn't bring in a buck, then it's not worth the time investment. And here's my concern is that it's one thing, we look at the world, they're materialistic, godless, they don't care about the values that God promotes in his word. But when that creeps into the church, and the women in the church 
feel somehow like to be a mom and to give yourself as a servant, to be a homemaker, that that somehow is not a worthy investment of their time. Because it's not as uh, glamorous as the career choice. Then I say something's wrong. And why do I say that something's wrong? Here's why. Because this is the church of Jesus Christ. Who is the hero of this story? It is Christ. And why is he the hero of the story? Why do we worship him? Why do we believe in him? Why do we think that he's the greatest? Because we look at his display of love on the cross. Can we look at that and say, you know what? What a waste of time that was for him. He didn't get a paycheck. Christ didn't get a paycheck. Man, he should have negotiated something. I mean, think of what he could have negotiated for this. I'm going to save the world from, from eternal judgment. I, I, I'm going to die as the greatest display, the greatest moment in human history. What are you all willing to pay me for doing it? He could have got a lot for that. But what did he get? Nothing. He gave of himself. And so we gather in the church and we, the cross is the symbol and we worship the old rugged cross and we sing songs and we love Christ and we, we talk about him and we love him. And then we look at a mother who is embodying the same self-giving, not for a paycheck, and we somehow demean that. I would say to you, this is a kind of blasphemy. You cannot have it both ways. If what Christ is did, did is great, then what a mother does is great. Or to say it this way, we blaspheme the quality of Christ's service when we demean the selflessness of an excellent mom. That's what I mean to say. So here's the thing. Again, in the world, we can't see that necessarily changed and people say stupid stuff. But we're a church. We're a faith community here, right? And I am the senior pastor of this church, so I guess I can say things like I'm about to say. Here's what I say. In this church, to be a mother will be a treasured and valued role in her family and in this faith community. Amen? So there's no sort of like coughing, I'm a mother, a homemaker. When we hear that, we're like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And I say that for the moms here. I also say that for the teenagers, the teen girls that we have in our church, who perhaps think similarly, like I've got to go and I've got to do these grandiose things. I've got to announce I'm going to be the, the big whatever. And maybe I'll have family and kids. I get around to it. That's sort of plan B. I would love it if we had young girls growing up in our church who read the scriptures and see things from God's perspective and say, I want to marry a godly man. I want to, with him, raise godly children. And I'm prepared to live out Proverbs 31 as best I can by the grace of God. That here will be as wonderful, if not more, as any other career choice that you would make. So teen girls, hear that, okay? Hear that. Being a mother and serving your family is part of being that excellent woman. Amen? Amen.
Second word is wisdom. Okay, wisdom. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. One of the great roles that a mom has is she is the shaper of the worldview, the perspective of her children. The way that she thinks about things, the way that she does things, shapes the way that the children think about things and do things. Not exactly, but huge influence. Think about your own moms. The way that you talk and the things that you do and whatever. How big influence that our mothers have upon us, for sure. And what this passage is is saying is that a biblically excellent woman, our mother, is conscious then of the importance to instruct her children in the path of wisdom. If you read through Proverbs, for example, you have the three kinds of people in Proverbs. You have the wise man, you have the simple man, and you have the foolish man. And the goal of the whole book of Proverbs is to move the simple man to being a wise man. There's no hope for the fool. You don't want to raise a fool. And how do you not raise a foolish son, which is grievous to a mother, Proverbs also says. How do you do that? By doing the very best that you can to impart wisdom to them. Now, what wisdom are we talking about? Bible trivia, or not Bible trivia, baseball trivia, Recipes, fashion, is that what we're talking about? No, not talking about that. Those things don't matter. We're talking about the wisdom of God and a way of thinking and living that is directed by the wisdom of God found in his word. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We want our children, do we not? To be, to be living life with a flashlight, right? Like this. Look, I can see where I'm going because I've got the flashlight of God's Word. A lot of kids go through life, they don't have a flashlight, stumble all the time. Why? They lack wisdom. Where do we get wisdom? God's Word is wisdom. And so the excellent mom then is one who takes that seriously and does all that she can to impart to her child the wisdom of God, the gospel of Christ what it means to live as a follower of Jesus, what it means to live uh, uh, obedient unto, unto Christ. This is the big priority, to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have one example of this. Timothy had a mother like this, 2 Timothy 1.5. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. How did Timothy gain this uh, Faith understanding, he had a godly grandmother who passed it on to her daughter, and that daughter grew up and had a son named Timothy, and she passed it on to her son Timothy. How did she do that? Second Timothy says this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. Hmm, who did he learn it from? Already said, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Timothy had a grandmother, and then he had a mother who taught him the holy scriptures, who taught him God's word and God's will. And this is a sacred task. Now moms, this presupposes that, that you've got that in your mind and heart to start with. You can't teach your kids something that you don't know. So that be, it begins there. But I'll tell you, a guaranteed way, or I, let me say this. 
Many a wise mom has had a foolish son, unfortunately. So this is not a formula. There are no guarantees. But one guaranteed way to have a foolish son is to not impart wisdom to him. And moms, you have such a key role in this. Teach your children well. Teach them the Bible. Just read the Bible to them. Read, read the Bible stories to them. Help them to understand the way that God view who God is and who we are in relation to Him. Talk with them about the basic story of creation and fall, redemption in Christ, final restoration when Jesus comes. Help them to know that basic story. Help them to look at the world around them this way, right? When you're watching movies with them, when you're driving down the road, when you see people that are a different skin color, when you see somebody that's got a handicap, when you've got some crisis that happens in your life. Now, son, let me just tell you, this is the way your mommy looks at this. Spend your life imparting this wisdom to your children. And the reason that this is so important, and I'm afraid why so many Christian parents mess up, is we don't realize that this is the thing that determines the future. It is not their GPA. It is not uh, how good they are in some little hobby that you end up spending thousands and thousands of dollars for and you give your life to so that they can swim good. When they turn 18 and they are off into this world, their time in the 100-meter free stroke isn't going to amount to a hill of beans. If their life goes off the deep end, actually I'm mixing analogies now, When their life goes off the deep end, it's going to be their spiritual stroke that saves them. I rather like that. (laughs) Would you rather have a son that loved the Lord or one that got, you know, straight A's? Would you rather have a son that loved the Lord or one that uh, uh, had uh, big muscles and athletic ability? Would you rather have a son that loved the Lord or one that was really successful and all your friends thought was really cool because he made lots of money and drove a really nice car. What are you really looking for, moms? What do you really want in your son or in your daughter? The biblically excellent mom wants them to have wisdom. The ability to live their life in a sinful world with a moral compass, with a spiritual understanding, and with a basic desire to follow Jesus. That's what you want. And that's the wonderful opportunity that you have. Again, doesn't always happen. But if you don't do it, I guarantee it won't happen. (laughs) Spend your time on things that matter. Talk to your children about the Lord. Live it out in front of them. The excellent mom is a teacher of wisdom. Here's the third word. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, you can look at this uh, description, and I don't believe the word faithful is found anywhere. But all the descriptions here are in the present tense. Not one of them is a past tense thing. In other words, the excellent mom is not somebody who one time gets up at night to meet the needs of her family. Or one time uh, 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 thinks in advance about their needs and clothes them with scarlet. It's not just a one-time thing. It is an ongoing character of life. And this is what speaks to children so much. Right? What was your mom like? What was your mom like? You're going to think about the big things. You'll forget all, you'll forget most of the day to day stuff. It gets lost in our memory. 
But the character of her life and the way that she lived and the priorities that she had, these are the things that stand out to us. And moms, you have a wonderful opportunity by your faithfulness to show your children uh, what is really important. And this, I think, is important because being a mom is a hard journey, isn't it? And the mom said, amen. How many days off do you get from being a mom? And the answer to that is zero. One, two, three, zero, right? You are a mom all the time. And it's going to take faithfulness and endurance and consistency over time to be an excellent mom. So thank you, moms, today for your faithfulness. The final one is love. No big surprise there. That word's not here as well. I think it's implied for the whole thing. There is no love like a mother's love, is there? If your mom doesn't love you, you are in a heap of trouble. Because the last person on earth that is going to give up on you is your mom. I think only God's love is greater than the love of a mother in this world. Praise God for a faithful, caring, enduring love amongst our mothers. You know, to this day, I I think back to growing up and just my memories of my mom holding me close when I was sick or when I was crying. My mom would, 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 she's very kind of huggy sort of mom, and she would hold me close. And there was such a security in that enduring love of my, of my mom. To this day, I, when I'm home or she's out visiting, if we're, you know, sitting around talking, watching whatever on TV, you know, I'll flop my leg over her leg or I'll lean on her shoulder. And I, to this day, I like to snuggle with my mom. Can I say that in a masculine way? I... I hope this doesn't hurt the merger possibilities by admitting that, but I kind of do because I feel love from her that I've known all my life. It's powerful, very powerful. All right. So with that, let's look back at our list here. Excellent mom is a servant. Wisdom is on her lips. She is faithful to the task, and she is loving, absolutely loving to her family. So we love that about our moms. But I look at that list, and we started off by saying that, our, you know, this is the excellent mom, but no mom does these perfectly. As loving, as serving-hearted as my mom is, she messed up sometimes. And as wise as I, I got from my mom, you know what? She wasn't wisdom all the time. And uh, my mom was very faithful, but there were some moments where maybe not as much. And my mom's love is enduring, but sometimes I don't feel it. I mean, wouldn't it be great, as much as I love my mom, wouldn't it be great if there was somebody that was a servant even more than my mom? I mean, wouldn't that be somebody that you'd want to know? And if there was a, a source of wisdom that was even greater than Uh, your mom, wouldn't that be like somebody that you'd really want to know? Or if there was somebody that was faithful, even more faithful than your mom, would that not be somebody that you would want to know? And if there was somebody that could possibly love you more than your own mother, would this not be somebody that you would very much want to know? 
And now you know where I'm going, right? Who has served us greater than our mom? Who is a source of wisdom greater than my mom? Who has been faithful to me for all eternity? Who loves me with an everlasting love? There is no mom that does that perfectly, but this is our God. Expressed to us in the person of Christ. Absolute wisdom. Totally faithful. Everlasting love. This is God. And so on this Mother's Day, we want to honor the moms. And we want you to feel our love and appreciation. But we don't worship you. Because you are sinners. We worship the perfect embodiment of all that we love in you. And that is God, found in the person of Christ. And today, if you do not know this ultimate person, Jesus Christ... That's the foundation of our entire church, that he is the savior of the world, that he is the son of God, that he died for our sins, and that all who believe in him will have their sins forgiven and experience eternal life. So love your mom, but look past her to the, to the, to the, perfect, the perfect example, Christ himself. And you can know him today, and I would encourage you to believe in him, to trust in him, and to know peace through Christ. So I say we do both. Honor moms. As Proverbs 31 says, she is far more precious than jewels. Thank you, moms. Let her children rise up and call her blessed. Let's do that today. And let's see in our moms, our excellent moms, an even more excellent God who has served us, who is faithful to us, and who loves us with an everlasting love. All praise and worship to him today. To him be the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. And with that, let's stand together for a final word of prayer.